What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bring us in, Victor, by yourself. Welcome to... Coco Caliente. Man, that just doesn't have the same punch and oomph uh, that it used to without Nicole. Still here by myself. But actually, right now, as I'm recording this, I finally, finally, finally took a trip back home. So I'm in Louisiana. Um, so this, uh, and I've been, what is it? I flew down here last Wednesday, right? No, I flew down here last Monday. So today I'm recording is. Tuesday, right? So I got here over a week ago, surprised my mom. Things just kind of finally lined up to where I can come over here. Hence and therefore, last week's episode was with my mom because I got here and I recorded and she had no idea. <clears throat> um, so then uh, we went to Destin. Uh, I spent time with my family over there. Uh, my sister and her kids all came up. There's a bunch of them, right? She has like six kids with her, you know, Tito, her husband. And then uh, we also had my cousin who drove seven hours um, to come see us as well with his two kids and his wife, uh, David and Gisel. Um, And so it it was awesome. It it was a great time. I got super tan. Uh, But anyway, leading into this podcast, right, when I was over there talking to my cousin David, he was telling me, he was like, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about something, uh, something that you know, I think is important and somebody that I think you should have on your podcast. And, you know, I hear that quite a bit, right? And so nine times out of 10, I'll take it with a grain of salt, okay? Uh, Because everybody thinks everybody's interesting and that's great, but I can only have so many people on the podcast, right? And then he started talking to to me about um, this woman named Laura. Sorry, I got a frog in my throat. Uh, This woman named Laura Bray. Right. And basically his son, uh, David's son, I think he's like in middle school or something like that. Uh, he was going to school and he, he made a friend uh, with this girl named Abby and they, they became good friends. And then Abby got diagnosed with cancer. Right. And now Laura, her mother, Abby's mother, she's in this world, you know, as a parent with a child that has leukemia and, you know, going through the whole process, obviously, I can't even begin to fathom what that's like, right? Um, but basically, at some point during this process, they find out that they need this medication, and there's a shortage of this medication, and they can't get it anywhere, right? So then Laura took it upon herself. Uh, she created uh, this thing called, uh, this organization called Angels for Change. And she'll explain it more on there, but basically, they're getting medicine to people that can't get it 
right? Not that it's just, it's, it's out there. The medicine exists, right? But, uh, and trust me, she'll explain it a whole lot better, but this medicine exists out there, but there's a shortage of supply. Only hospitals have it. They're not really selling it out to people. And her with her group of, uh, uh, or her group of angels for change, they're getting those medications out to people that need it, right? So she started obviously with her daughter and she saw, saw that this was a, a need and now she's doing it for everybody. So I hope you enjoy. Laura, Laura Bray, correct? Yes. Let me, let me tell you, because I was just uh, in my little intro here, I was kind of giving you on the gist in the most short way possible of what David, uh, my cousin, told me about you. But I will say when he first brought you up, and I didn't know anything about anything, right? He just, hey, I got somebody that I think you should podcast with. I was like, oh, here we go, right? Because I podcast a lot and, you know, I get people all the time. It's like, hey, you should podcast with this person. And, you know, the first thing, you know, and you hear so many that I'm like, yeah, well, we'll get around to it. A little skeptical. Yeah, right, right. Of, yeah. of course. And then, and then he told me your story and I was, I was so, I was like, wow, that's, that's really powerful, right? What you guys are doing is, is insane, and I was like, well, it the, is insane. And it just happened to be where like the, the guest that I was having for today, it fell through. And I was like, oh, what a perfect time. I just found out about this. I want to talk to her anyway. So this worked out perfect. And yeah, so he, here we are with Laura Bray, Angels of Change. Uh, tell, me, tell me about yourself a little bit. And, and yeah, I guess before any of this happened with Angels of Change, like what were you doing? What was life like for you? <laughs> yeah. So first, thanks for having me on, Victor. Absolutely. Um, I should say this is uh, my first podcast, so you know, feel free to help guide me. <laughs> no, you'll, I, you'll be you fine. Anything. You'll be fine. Don't worry; it's all live. So if you mess up, everybody knows exactly how. No, I'm just kidding. This is pre-recorded. It's pre-recorded. <laughs> oh, <great>. Don't stress. <laughs> you, I had a mini um, heart attack when you just said that. I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're so, good. <laughs> yeah. So our life was pretty normal. Um, I, uh, you know, I have three children and um, my youngest is a boy and I have two, two girls and uh, my husband and I, we, we have jobs and, you know, we went about our lives doing the normal American dream stuff, you know, taking care of the house and getting the kids to school and going to jobs. I'm a business professor um, and I, I, I like, I love it. I teach at a community college. I I really love my students. I think um, I get a wide range of students anywhere from, you know, 18 right out of high school all the way to adults who are running their own business, but going back to to education. and, And I really enjoy the challenge. And, you know, that was basically our lives. Um, prior to Thanksgiving weekend of 2018. Okay. We, you know, just a normal, a normal family. So, you know? so what, what, what transpired on uh, Thanksgiving of 18? Yeah. So my middle daughter, Abby, she had just turned nine. She was in third grade. She had been unwell for almost four weeks. She, she got this minor cold and she really couldn't shake it. It, um, she would get these low-grade fevers, and it seemed to be accompanying um, pains. She called it, she kept saying there are daggers in her bones. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, she's not, uh, if you've ever met her, she's a force, a complete force. She's been a force since the day that she was born. <laughs> she, uh, so it was unusual for her 
to be acting this way. Yeah. Um, but because she was nine and, um, you know, the, the doctors felt the daggers in the bones were, were growing pains. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, so we kept going back to the doctors every, you know, you know, three or four times in those, you know, three and a half, four weeks. Yeah. And eventually, um, on Thanksgiving night, I, I had started saying, look, these, this is to my husband, this is not normal. These aren't growing pains. Um, they seem to be linked to the fever. She'll get these pains, these episodes, and then within an hour, she'll have a hundred and one fever. It's, it's like clockwork. Yeah. And, um, on Thanksgiving night, we were, we were actually on a cruise, so it's that's a whole nother part of the story. Oh my gosh! But I know. How, how long she, into the cruise were you guys in? So it was just a little two day, like okay. Thanksgiving cruise with our family. Our whole family was there, and we had decided to spend Thanksgiving that year all together uh-huh. on a cruise. Okay. So uh, you know, it wasn't a really long one. We were a day and a half into it, and um, we were going to be back by the Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And we, everything was fine that day. She was fine. And um, she, we all went to shower and get ready after being at the pool to go to Thanksgiving dinner. And my brother had this huge, wonderful, like special Thanksgiving dinner, like plan for the whole family. It was like just for us. And uh, we're, she's in the bathroom and she just fell and started screaming in pain. And so I said to my husband, okay, I want you to put your, your phone on timer for one hour. And when, um, when it goes off, you're going to take her temperature and it's going to be 100.1. And he just he looked at me like, okay, challenge accepted. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> because she was screaming in pain and she was crying. And so by the time the timer went off, she was fine. She wasn't screaming in pain. You know, I had kind of, you know, rubbed her and, you know, helped her like, you know, a mom does. So, and, 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 and when you said she falls down in pain, like what is she holding or what is she saying? You know, like if somebody else so is experiencing was, something like this. <laughs> I, I, she, so first it was in her side, like she was saying in her side. And well, the very first episode, I thought she was having an appendicitis. Oh, okay. Um, we went to the doctor and they did a finger prick and, you know, they took a, you know, they checked her appendix and she was fine. Hmm. So this one was her leg and she had been saying her leg for, uh, for, for about a week and a half. Okay. But this time it changed and it changed to the other leg. And I was like, you know, a bruise or a muscle pull or a growing pain doesn't like go from like... It doesn't float around the whole body. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And so, um, you know, when that timer went off, we took her temperature and it was 101.1. And and, uh, he was like, okay, we're going to the doctors tomorrow. So we we actually, the, the cruise didn't end until like two, but we had docked. And like when we docked, we were packed and we went straight off the boat, straight to the the pediatricians. And I just said something, you know, they did the same thing that they had been doing, which is, you know, strep test flu, you know, like listening to her heart, everything's fine. She's fine. Just a normal checkup procedure type stuff. Right. And I just, I just said, you know, something systemic isn't right. I I don't know what it is. I had actually said the word uh, cancer 
three days ago, three days before to my husband. Oh. But it sounded, it sounded even crazy to me to say, yeah, right? She's, yeah. she's, she seems healthy to everyone else, but I just knew something wasn't right. And so I just said, will you please do a full set of labs? I want a complete blood panel. I need someone to look at her blood. We live in Florida. So I was like, you know, she was a swimmer. She had just qualified for states in the backstroke for um, oh, nine wow. and under. And uh, with the, the Y League that she was part of. And, and so I thought, well, maybe, you know, she swims a lot. Maybe she got well, like a little scratch and she got some weird Florida bacteria. Like, you know, I was like, I don't know, but something, something's not right. Yeah. Um, um, we went home and the next morning, so this is when our life changed. So this was the Saturday okay. of Thanksgiving weekend, 2018. We were just in our jammies, like, you know, probably every single person mm-hmm. uh, was. Uh, we were watching the Thanksgiving, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade that we had recorded because we were on the cruise yep. on Thanksgiving Day. And it had already, always been our tradition to watch, you know, um, in our pajamas, right, when we woke up. So we did that on the Saturday. And uh, our cell phone rang. And it was literally 30 seconds of words that changed our lives forever and made us a new family. And the words were, there are blasts in Abby's blood. There is a bed waiting for her at St. Joe's Pediatric Oncology Unit. Pack a bag, plan to stay, get there immediately. Oh my gosh, that just made my hair stand up. It makes mine stand up too, every time I think about it. Dang. Yeah. And, and yeah. Wow, wow. I'm sorry to make you uh, re-experience this, but uh, oh, I think okay. it's an important conversation to have for uh, other people, you know, um, that are listening. So during this uh, time of COVID that we live in now, there's a lot of time spent inside. Um, and a lot of times that brings up a lot of emotions that we don't normally think about because we live a normal, busy life. And now anything is but normal, right? But don't worry because there is better help out there. BetterHelp has licensed professional uh, counselors who are specialized in depression, uh, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, grief, self-esteem. I mean, they, they have everything, right? And it's professional help, right? This isn't like a self-help thing. It's professional counseling. You can send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, which is perfect right now because nobody wants to get sick. Um, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. It's convenient, professional, affordable. This is not a crisis hotline. Um, In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that there are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. If you want to start living a happier life today, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash coco. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash coco. So you guys get to the hospital and, and that's when they tell you guys that... So, you know, actually, <laughs> no, it was... So we got to the... It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. And they 
bring us right back and start doing all kinds of tests because, you know, they don't want it to be cancer, right? Okay, okay. They're trying to rule. There's blasts in her blood, which means, you know, there is, there's bad, bad blood cells, which are not correct. So, you know, I think they wanted to rule out every single thing that they could before they... That it wasn't some type of infection that's causing this or or something else that could be... Something weird, some some random weird once in a shot other thing that it could be. Um, and so it was five thirty. Actually, at three thirty was the first time we saw uh, our, her physician. So we were there in the hospital, like people coming in doing things, and mm-hmm. you know our job is to try to keep her as calm as possible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, she's nine. She knew that she had not been well, right? And and so I just we just told her the doctor called and said they think they may know what's going on, but they we need to do some more tests, so we need to to go to the hospital and pack a bag. My my older daughter who who had just turned 11, she wasn't buying that. She didn't understand why why we were going to have to pack bags yeah. and why we weren't just coming back, but um but my, but Abby, she was like, okay, you know, cause she knew she hadn't been feeling well. Um, so at three 30, we saw the doctor for the first time and, and that's the first time she was like, okay, we have some more tests that we're going to run. We should know something by six. And that's when she said, if, if it's leukemia, um, we have to start something really quickly, you know, treatment begins immediately. Yeah. And you need to be prepared for that. And so we were like, okay, you know, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, oh, my god! And, of course, I don't know how much you know about cancer or leukemia. I, I mean, we really didn't know much. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't know much at all. Educate me, please. I mean, I, I didn't either. At that point, we didn't. We knew nothing. I mean, pediatric cancer, I knew that it was something you didn't want. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew that the St. Jude's commercials that were on TV yep, yep. were were devastating and very difficult to watch, you know. That's that's the extent to be honest of my my knowledge. I feel sad that that was the extent of my knowledge and the amount that we've learned in less than 2 years, but um I don't know did you have any No, I in, I don't, Any knowledge of cancer? Or? No, I I know a little bit, right? You know, your your cells are attacking themselves, um, mm-hmm. and the the best treatment that they have out there a lot of times is the radiation and just to kill the bad cells. Hopefully, faster than you can kill the good cells. And that's yeah. pretty much all that I know. I haven't I haven't done much research on it. Yeah. Well, you're in good company because I didn't I didn't know much either. So leukemia is cancer of the blood. And so, um, you know, at, at the time of diagnosis, she had 75% blast, which means 75% of her blood was leukemic. Wow. That's, that's so really we, high, right? I mean, that- well, she was found, I mean, at the time, her labs, her labs, like the finger prick that mm-hmm. this were normal. Her labs were completely normal. It happened so fast. So she has what's called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And acute is that it happens really fast, really fast. And you can go from being, you know, a a child who when, you know, qualifies for state in the backstroke for the under nine and under category 
you know, um, the first week of October to uh, having 75% of your blood cells be cancerous, you know, in a couple of weeks. Wow. What, that's so yeah. rapid. And that's, you know, that's scary. I mean, what, I just can't imagine what was going through your mind when you heard that. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to be strong because you can't, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you have to do your best to keep her as calm as possible because if you're freaking out, that's not going to help her, you know? Uh, that's right. I mean, my job is the caretaker, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've got to mind, make sure she is in the best space, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually to fight this beast that's trying to take her over, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, but that's kind of your role as a parent always. It just drastically gets harder. Yeah. But yeah. So, (laughs) So, yeah. So that was, that was our Saturday, the day after the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So, you know, things are somber to say the least. Uh, and, but you, then at some point you find out that it's actually that lymphoblast, is it lymphoblast leukemia? Yeah. A- acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Okay. Yeah. Acute- ALL. We can call it ALL for A-L- sure. ALL. A-L-L. Okay. So yeah. now we, we confirm that she has ALL. Are you now like, all right, so what do we do? Right? Like oh, the solution. Heck yeah. Where's the solution? Yeah, so, How do we get there? Yeah. You're right. That's exactly it. So the doctor calls us out of the room at um, at about 530. You know, some interesting things. I don't know. I mean, we just met, so I don't know if you have any, you know, faith. But our, our priest had come um, at five. And so he actually, to just kind of see us mm-hmm. and to, you know, do some, we, we did a prayer and Absolutely. Um, a little prayer service. And he was there when, um, when the doctor came in at five thirty. So that was completely serendipitous. We had just done this wonderful, peaceful prayer, you know, um, and, and then he was there when the doctor came and, and asked if she could see my husband and I outside of the, the house, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the, 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 room. the, the room, the yeah. room. Yeah. And, um, and so he was like, I got it. I'll stay here. Um, and so she told us, you know, Abby has uh, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. She explained a little bit about it. We asked a couple of questions. You know, uh, one of the things she said is, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, you know, you know, 30, 30 years ago, this was a completely different treatment, but there is this treatment for ALL. The, the research has, has changed drastically and, you know, it, it, you're, it's going to be, it's a long and arduous treatment, but it is extremely successful. Um, We don't know exactly what treatment she's going to have and exactly how long until we do something called a bone marrow aspiration where they go into her bone marrow and actually remove some bone marrow and then test it. Um, We'll do that immediately. But there is a prognosis and this is one of the few pediatric cancers that has a cure rate. So we're going to follow this. It's going to be long and hard, but you know, there, there's this very specific protocol we'll follow and um, it has a very amazing cure rate. So, so they pass on the assurances. So unlike other pediatric cancers, you know, there's some pediatric cancers that don't have, they still in 2020 have zero treatment options. That's, none. Oh, that's so sad. 
That's so sad. And then there are many, many that have treatment options, but the 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 rate is very low, mm-hmm. you know, very success. But this one is one that is very successful. So we kind of, you know, use those assurances to explain it to Abby. The We walk into the room. I'll never forget some of these moments, you know. There's moments that get, like, burned into your brain Absolutely. in your life. Yeah. We walk in, and our, our pastor is feeding Abby. At some point while we were gone, they had brought some food into her um, and he, ha- it was a quesadilla, but he was, he had cut the quesadilla on a fork <laughs> and he was feeding her quesadilla while talking with her ducky, who's her, you know, her best friend. And like ducky was like, does ducky want quesadilla? Does that, you know, like, oh my gosh, there was just this peace and like tranquility in this room that we walked into and, um, it really gave us the strength to to tell her that she had cancer. Um, but it was a quite a unique moment. I'm thankful for it. Could could she could she comprehend what what that was? You know, because she's so young. Yeah. So I think one of the things that prepared her for comprehending. And I will always be grateful. It was a decision that we had made two or three years before. A very good friend of ours, and it was there. She had children um, that were the same age as my kids, and so my kids and her kids were were close. Mm-hmm. She had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and during that time, her her diagnosis and her treatment, we really leaned in to that. Yeah. We really wanted to be there. I was open and honest with the kids, like when they had questions, you know, we, you know, so they knew she had an understanding of what cancer was. And because of my friend's journey, really understood what chemotherapy, I mean, as best as a nine-year-old could, yeah, understood what yeah, chemotherapy absolutely. was, understood that it was long, um, and also understood that you can, you can be okay, right? Because of my friend's journey who she, you know, handled it with beautiful grace and kindness and, um, and then she was fine. And, you know, so, so Abby had some awareness of it. So when I said, you know, what I said was, Abby, the doctors know what's wrong and they're going to be able to help us. She was like, for her first answer was good because she had been in so much pain. And I, I said, um, you have leukemia she didn't know what leukemia was. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what's that? And I said, well, it's cancer of your blood. And the first thing she said was like, like Miss Cozy. And I said, yes. So, so she had that. And that, um, I really feel, you know, it was a interesting decision three years prior when, you know, I had, you know, a two-year-old and a six-year-old and an eight-year-old to have these open and honest conversations back then, um, the way that they could understand it, but Absolutely. back then, yep. but, bec- but because we had, it, and we like had these discussions throughout my friend's journey, it, it actually made that evening a little bit easier for her. If that makes sense. No, it's it's definitely one of those. Uh, you you look back and you're like, man, everything happens for a reason, right? And so, <laughs> yep. you, so you guys went through that other journey, and now you're going through your own journey. 
Um, and so that's where you were at at that point. But that's yeah. hey, and like you said, it helped that conversation a whole lot more than if it would have just been from the you know you don't understand what this is, and now I got to go explain it all. You know. Yeah. We all know this school year will be unlike any other thanks to COVID. Whether your kids are going back to school or logging into a classroom from home, and as parents, it can be time-consuming to give your kids the extra help they might need this school year. This company, KiwiCo, can deliver a science fair slash art class right to your door. I was even surprised how much I liked it as an adult. Like I was looking online, um, and they have these other kits that I think Nicole and I would love to do like a, a pinch needle, uh, a pinch thread needle or pinch needle, something like that, uh, a pillow that you can make. Yeah, punch needle. That's what it is. A punch needle pillow. I was like, dang, Nicole would love to make a punch needle pillow. Uh, me, not so much, but I think I would like the macromane planters. I don't know. And I had one that uh, I got delivered to the house because I gave it to a uh, gift as my friend. And uh, it's for babies, right? Because they have all ages from like zero to 14 and older. They have all these different crate sets that you can get. And it comes with a bunch of different projects um, and for all types of kids, right? So it, it was really cool. Anyway, the one that I gave him uh, was for his baby. And it was basically like a pegs, putting pegs on a pegboard type deal. And it came with a bunch of other stuff, but he messaged me after and he's like, man, this thing is awesome. Your child can get super cool, hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered to their door every month. And they'll be so excited to see these arrive in the mail, especially at a time when they might be unable to go to fun places like museum. Here's a really fun activity that comes straight to them. You'll be surprised how high quality the materials are too. These are real engineering, science, and art projects for children. It's not, they're not just toys, right? They're learning something. They're doing something. And there are different crates uh, for kids of all ages, so there's something for every kid on your list, all right? What's awesome, too, is that there's no commitment. So let's say you want to try it out for a month or two, and then you're like, ah, eh, this isn't for me. You can cancel any time, but trust me, you're not going to want to cancel. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at KiwiCo.com forward slash Coco. That's Kiwi, K-I-W-I-C-O, KiwiCo.com slash Coco. Um, and so they, then, so they do the bone marrow, right, to, yeah. to actually figure out what the prognosis and the... Uh, the the yeah. track is going to be right for for the yep. treatment, um, yep. and then so what, that happens immediately. That happens yep. immediately, and then what do they tell you from there about? Okay, this is a treatment, but so the good news is that her her even though she had seventy five percent blasts, her you know her genetics were okay, and you know and it hadn't spread outside of the blood, and you know it wasn't in her spine that had metastasized or, or okay. anything like that, and so. So, you know, we had a lot of positives from that initial, you know, bone marrow aspiration. And so she got to be what was called standard risk. Um, and standard risk was, is a track um, of about almost two and a half years of chemotherapy. And it's very involved, um, but it, it has very, very good outcomes. And so they said, okay, you know, great you're going to, this is the track, you're going to do it, you know, and, and they talk to you at that time. Like this protocol is really important. You've got to follow it. They talk about compliance. Okay. And that compliance 
uh, is the biggest thing, you know, which is tough. You know, I don't know how how much you know about getting kids to comply, but sometimes <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's difficult, Absolutely. right? And so you root the assurances um, to your children in the fact that you've got this protocol and that it works just like the doctors do. But you also tell them like when they don't want to go into the hospital one more time, mm. you know, you and the doctors and the nurses are saying it's really important. You got to take your medicine you know? yeah. when they don't want to take 25 pills in one dose, one, one, you know, and you have to do it within a certain amount of time. And it has to happen every day, you know, because who wants to take 25 no, pills? Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Right. When their hair falls out, you know, when they, when they miss out on things, you know, you're rooting all of the things and the importance of, of this protocol, right? And this timing. So uh, the, I like to call this time frame from no, the end of November, to the begin till to the beginning of spring to springtime, it's really. I used to joke and say it, I became the you know caretaker in chief. You know, yeah. For the, like the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the chief normalcy officer. You know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Pediatric cancer is a little bit different than some other cancers because it, it affects the whole family, mm-hmm. right? Your child needs their siblings as much as they need their parents, right? They need, and so the siblings you know, their lives change as well. And you've got to help them through that. And, um, yeah, I, and the more, the more I think about it and the more I hear you talk, like I can take this conversation like 15 different routes to like, uh, how deep it can be. Right. Like with the family (laughs) bonds. And then when you're talking about all these treatments, I'm thinking like insurance and like pharmaceutical and corporate. And then, you know, and then we're going to get to a point where it's like really pharmaceutical and like global supply and demand, like all that. Like this is a huge, huge, uh, 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 undertaking, right? Like it's once you get into there and, uh, you know, I'm happy that not everybody experiences it because I don't wish that on anybody. But man, once you get into that world and you don't know that world, which you were learning, I mean, it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. And, you know, just like any time when you're overwhelmed, you literally have to take it one second at a time sometimes, you know. Absolutely. Um, You know, otherwise you just get stuck. And so that's really the first few months was just trying to help us navigate through through that change are every single thing that was normal changed. I mean, even little tiny things like, you know, can my kids still share a room? My child, my daughters have shared a room since they were babies, you know, can they still share a room? And, and, you know, scary things like, you know, the truth of the matter about pediatric cancer is that you have to poison your child to save them. Yeah. Yeah. But that poison is poison to your other children as well. In, 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 in what way? How does that, how does it, uh, how <laughs> well, does it, how does it know, transfer over? If I guess you could say. Through body fluids, through, oh. you know, the, my kids all shared the same bathroom and, you know, when you've got vomiting, my kids are sharing the same room and she gets sick and that is radio, literally radioactive scenarios and they want to be help their sibling right i mean do you have do you have brothers or sisters i have yes i have an older sister yep 
so like, oh, especially an older sister. I'm sure there was a time in your life where you were throwing up and your sister like rubbed your back, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Probably, right? Or yep. she was like, here's some water, right? So those moments are as important to both my daughter who was fighting cancer, but my, my, my other children, they want to be able to support. But at the same time, we have to figure out how can they do that in a way that is safe. Yes. And, and, you know, the other scenario is how can we do it without creating all these anxieties in them, right? I mean, do you, do you tell your five-year-old, hey, you, you can't go near your, her, your sister because, you know, right? I mean, so, like, you just have to navigate all of those things. Wow. There's so many of them. That, that, that's, that's really I didn't that's something that I didn't even think about, right? Like when when you hear about that stuff and like you see you see it in the commercials, right, for St. Jude's and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you just think about that that child or that person, the individual right. being in right. that situation and it's very sad yep. and you know, wish them the best. But you yep. don't think about like what you just said, person in the house, they're throwing up and then you're like, Well, how how do I help? How do I without you know, without being like, Ew, I don't wanna help you because I can right. get sick. <laughs> You know, right. and, and still right. wanting that. So that that's, I didn't even think about that, honestly. Well, and there's, so, you know, there's so many things, you know, all the medications that I'm, I'm giving her, I have to wear gloves for, you oh. know, and so it, you can't get away from the fact that you're poisoning your child to save them. It's just, you have to come to terms with it. Um, How like many, the, uh, the re- no, go the ahead. The re- realization that I had was like, you know, and, and you get lots of questions too, like, People are asking, well, you know, will she, will, but what will it stun her growth? And will she have cancer later? And will she ever be able to have children? And I'm like, oh, you know, so (laughs) I'm just trying to figure out today. Yeah. Right. And, and here's, and so like my answer to that eventually, like the way I had to compartmentalize it is here's the truth that I know is that her growth would be stunted without it because she would not survive to be 10. Absolutely. Yeah. And if she didn't survive to be 10, she wouldn't be having children, you know? And so, so like, we have to take this like really just one step at a time. And so that was really kind of our mantra. The first few months is just finding some level of normalcy and peace and figuring our way through that. And, and I will say one thing about the pediatric cancer community is that while it's devastating and no one wants to be part of it, it is a, community of supporting, um, giving, kind families who, yeah, I, I, I who, can only just, imagine. who just try to help you through that. So, you know, whether they've gone through it before, or they're currently going, you know, they've gone through it and they have a survivor, they're going through it, they have a warrior or the worst case scenario, you know, and, you know, they, they, they have an angel, you know, what you have is a community of people throughout, not just the, your local area or your state or your country, but throughout the world who really connect and try to, try to help everybody navigate this. So, so when I say we were trying to find out normalcy, it, it wasn't, we weren't doing it alone. You know, there are communities, there, there are nonprofit groups that, you know, for, for leukemia, there's Leukemia Lymphoma Society in our local area. There's so many, um, you know, childhood cancer organizations. You know, one that really supported us was a local uh, organization called One Voice, and they even have events just for siblings. Oh, um, wow. And, and it's the siblings getting together and the siblings kind of having something special. Um, because that's the other thing is everybody brings, 
everybody brings stuff for the child with cancer and then there yep. can become jealousies because right you know mm-hmm. and 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 it's not unusual um in in the world in the pediatric cancer world is that you get siblings wishing that they had like little kids saying i wish i had cancer too right you know and yeah. beca- because they just it's a, so one voice really helped us navigate some of those things proactively um and so that's I, we weren't doing it alone i guess is yeah no but and it, and to your point it's it's one of those experiences where it's a very humbling experience so if you've already been through that you you can really you can really understand and you know and other people that don't understand it it, it it's sad you know because you won't have that experience and hopefully you don't but once you do uh, it's like wow you know i can really feel for all those families out there and donate to causes and be help you know be a part of that change and and Mm -hmm. another thing i learned from what you were just saying if anybody listening if you know somebody that's going through something like this don't ask all those questions that they don't want to answer (laughs) (laughs) like i know you may be curious but that might be the time to use google right and and not put that on a on a parent that's already going through something at the moment (laughs) yeah and when another thing when you google make sure it's a appropriate source right you know don't 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 share articles about how you you know the parent gave their child uh cancer because because they got vaccines or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, let's let's make sure you know (laughs) let a reliable (laughs) uh uh, source yeah, Yeah, yeah absolutely um but Good, 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 good advice. You are really good at uh, picking up on the, you know, the empath, the empathetic, you know, underlying real solution. So, well, I I appreciate that. I mean, and it's, I feel like it's only human, especially when you start hearing the story, right? Because a lot of people don't take time out of their day to listen to, you know, other people like that. Um, It's whenever it's convenient. So I'm happy that I'm able to talk to you about this today. Um, And, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So moving on. So at yeah. what point do you get to the part of the treatment <laughs> that you realize that there is a problem? Yeah. How was our treatment disrupted? Yes. So here's where kind of the Angels for Change story starts. Um, like you said at the beginning, I'm, you know, Angels for Change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in April, the very beginning of April, Abby began a new phase of treatment that's a very rough phase. It's, it's actually called delayed intensification. So what they do is there's intensification, right? There's immediate intense to your body. And then they kind of do uh, four months later, this 60 days of very intense treatment. Um, and you know the the reason for it is it can zap any anything that's that's left and you know and and their bodies are building towards this time or okay. the amount of chemo that they're being given and you know they're 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 building towards this time so this is a tough time and in this phase Abby has to have a, a drug um, that that she had on a day four of treatment. She had it right away and she had a reaction to it, but it's a really, really important drug. This drug uh, that she originally, that she originally had was called PEG asparaginase. And this is something that is unique, kind of unique to pediatric cancer, um, which also makes them vulnerable to the problem we discovered. In general, um, the majority of drugs that children take um, are are designed for adults and then diluted 
diluted for children. So okay. uh, there's not a lot of pediatric-specific um, chemotherapies. There's chemotherapies that were designed. They're tested on adults. They're tested on adult bodies who haven't, you know, have already finished growing. Yeah. Right. Um, and then they they knock them down to be the appropriate height and weight. So, um, and and of Abby's treatments of the drugs that she takes, I, I think I think in the end it'll be thirty thirty different chemotherapies that she will have taken. Um, over almost two and a half years um, in many different ways. So some of them intravenously, some of them through a port, some of them orally, um, many of them through her spine and what's uh, in a spinal tap. They infuse chemotherapy right into her spine. And so, um, but the majority of them were created and founded uh, 50 years ago. They're older than I am. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm 43. So the majority of her treatment is drugs that were found <clears throat> before I was born. Got it. So they're, they're not new. But this one drug is a targeted drug. It's targeted uh, specifically to leukemia, and it starves leukemia cells. So she, it's a very important drug, and it's very effective. It increases, um, in the cancer world, EFS, which is called event-free survival. You know, EFS. That's what we want, event-free survival, right? What, is, what, is so, the, what does the event-free mean? Uh, no, no relapse and no, okay. no death, right? So, you're, so yeah. you're, you're done, it's over with, and that increases those possibilities, right? Yes, okay. correct. Yeah. So, um, the, so asparaginase, she had a reaction at day four, and they were able to uh, pre-medicate her, stop it, uh, medicate her, kind of put her to sleep, and they were able to get her body to accept it because it was so important. Okay. So, so... That was very chaotic um, at that day. It was it was a very dramatic day, but it happened, and we were like, yay, okay. And the doctor told us, this is so important. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. So they hooked her up to heart monitors. They they put a pulse ox on her. They, you know, they wanted to make sure she could get this drug. And then they tested afterwards and made sure that her body did accept it, and they did. So we're going into beginning of April now, and she's in delayed intensification. She needs this drug again, and she's very worried about it. Um, she remembers what it felt like oh, before. Oh, yep. And she didn't want to take it. And I was like, the doctor, all the things that they did to get your body to take it after they're going to do before, this is a you know, pre-medication process, it's going to be okay. So you have to convince her to go in and do this, right? Not mm-hmm. scream and yell and comply. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff around parenting and convincing to comply um, using all your parent uh, tool, toolkits. You know, everything you have <laughs> as a parent to try to convince them. Absolutely. <laughs> so she does the pre-medication, she has an anaphylactic reaction and is screaming because she can't breathe. And uh, this is another moment that's burned in my mind. You know, your child in a hospital bed hooked up to chemotherapy going into her port inside her body and her screaming, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Help me, mommy. Like that was a quite traumatic day. And, um, she's, she's, they gave her an EpiPen. They gave her treatment. The nurses were there. They are professional, amazing physicians and doctors who took care of everything. Um, but the first thing she said to me was, I told you, (laughs) (laughs) I told you this is going to happen. A little jab in the heart there. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's, I told you she was a force, right? She's been a force and she, you know, you don't mess with her. (laughs) I told you, mom, I told you this was going to happen. 
And I'm like, ugh. Okay. So they kind of said, okay, you need to go home and her body needs to rest and recover. We're going to come back on Tuesday. There is one, you know, she can't take pagasparaginase anymore, but there's another drug. It's called Irwinase. And we give it to patients who have this reaction. Um, it's not the frontline med because they need six times the amount of chemo to have the same effectiveness. Mm. And um, but it does it does work. So you're going to go home. We're going to rest. Come back on Tuesday. So we're like, okay. So this is where. So that was quite an experience. You know, I've I felt uh, you know that there was a lot of recovery for both Abby and I from that experience. But you know, like I said, we had kind of figured out somehow how to navigate this and talk through it. And um, on on the Tuesday, we get in there for the treatment. So at this point, you know, she's already uh, four days later than when she was supposed to have this medicine. Okay. Remember way back at the beginning, the compliance, compliance, the timing, the timing, the protocol, right? Yep. They tell us all this. So, so I, um, I, they say, okay, so you can't, we can't give you this medicine today. Um, it's on shortage. Oh. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the medicine that I need to make sure my child is still getting healthy, there is none. There is none. So, you know, I immediately go, you know, I'm a business professor, you know, I love free market economics. And, yeah. You know, I, I teach, you know, supply and demand. I, I teach supply chain management. And, and so I was like, so I immediately say to the doctor, what do you mean is a shortage? Is it an outage or is it a shortage? And who, you know, when is the distribution going to, you know, like I'm starting to ask her questions uh-huh. and she's like, uh, looking at me like I'm, you know, a little bit insane. And, um, and so she was like, uh, we'll just have to wait, you know, and I, was uh-huh. like, well, I want, I want Abby to have the frontline care. Like I want, you know, I want her to have frontline care. And she was like, but we're, we're just going to have to wait. And I said, I said to her, okay, I need you to promise me that when they call to tell you they have Irwinase, that you say it's medically necessary and you're going to give it to her. And she was like, Mrs. Bray, I'm not really sure what you're saying. When who calls? And I was like, well, I don't know yet. I just found out this, this was a problem. <laughs> but I need you to promise me that whenever somebody calls, because we found it, that you're going to give it to Abby and say it's medically necessary. And she was like, yes, yes. If someone calls me, you know, like I she roll, was kind of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can, I can see that sure. conversation happening. Yeah. 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 And she was, you know, she was like, I really wish I could relieve your anxiety about this. And I was like, oh no, no, this isn't anxiety. This is, this is problem solving. Yeah. We gotta, yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, and she was like, okay. So um, that's the day that I learned something that I had no clue existed in our country. I mean, I literally thought, so I joke and I mean, I don't joke, but I say, you know, I didn't know anything about pediatric cancer, but like, I mean, I knew that pediatric cancer existed, right? Yeah. I just didn't really understand what it meant. But this day is the day that I learned, um, this was now April, 2019, that you could do everything correct you could literally help your child through the hardest time, get them to comply. 
using whatever tools necessary. You could have a job, you could have insurance, um, you could have a doctor ready to treat them. You could have something, a doctor, a, you know, life-saving condition. Yep. And it still didn't matter. Your child may not get access to the drugs they needed to survive. And I just didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. It, um, it's it's hard. I mean, I... <sighs> It would it would piss me off so much. I'd be, I, I, you know, I, I, it'd be hard to not misdirect anger towards the doctors, which I'm sure you didn't. Um, no, and no. I would do my best not to as well. But I, I just even just thinking about it right now, even though you're working on the solution right now, right? That mm-hmm. it's it, how do you not have it, right? How do you how do you not have something? And I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to get to this in a minute. But how do you not have something? that saves people's lives, that's necessary, that people need. It's not that it's like, oh, if we make it, people aren't going to buy it. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be you. Like, how how does that not, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, it didn't make any sense to me either. And I kept asking all of those questions and more. So, so you're right. You're right on, on target. That's exactly, I was like, I don't, I really, this doesn't compute to me. Um, You know, if I wanted to right now with my phone, while we're having this conversation, I might be a little distracted, but I could decide that I wanted to bear, buy a pair of shoes in Australia. Yeah. And if I was willing to pay enough for them, they could be on my doorstep tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. From my phone. So I kept saying, like, I, I just don't understand what's, what's happening. How, how much so, time that night did you spend on Google? <laughs> <laughs> how much time that night? Because well, that's all you know, I could think I about. Will, say for the first, you know, so like, well, well, spoiler alert, we were able to resolve Abby's shortage, um, but I'll go back, you know, it it took about 10 days from that moment, the day that I found out that this was a problem to 10 days later, she was receiving treatment. Oh my God. But yeah, I mean, the first thing I did is I had a few pharmacist friends, friends that are pharmacists, including my Uh sister-in-law. And I just literally before I left the hospital, I sent a group text that said, Abby needs Irwinase. I need to know everything you know about it. And I need to know what, like how I go about getting it. Cause I thought, well, you know, they probably have access to databases that I don't have. So that was like literally the first thing I did. So I right away found out from, it was six different pharmacist friends that this is, that work at various different, pharmacies. There is none of this. It's not something, it's a specialty product and it has been on shortage for a long time. Hmm. So, so that was like the, the first, okay, so this is a real and a systemic problem. All right. I got it. I, it's not just enough of me, you know, tracking it down from a different pharmacy. Yeah. And the next thing I did was I searched on Google, like you said, mm-hmm. and I found an article about a mom who had this happen to their child and I read that article and here's another, you know, the, you know, uh, like mir- miraculous moment. I was connected to this person via Facebook. So oh. my friend, my friend who I know was friends with this person. And so I read that article. I was like, first, my first thought was, okay, I read this article. She, it, there was two things from it. One, it's possible. My doctor had said it's not possible. We just had to wait. But this person did this, had this happen, and she resolved it for her child. So first, it was 
it was validation that it, it was possible. I didn't know how, but it was possible. And then two, it, it had happened more than three years before. Mm. And so the second realization is like, what is going on in the marketplace that this pediatric cancer drug is still on shortage after three years? It doesn't make like sense. I, I'm just not, how does it not get resolved? You know, that, yeah. you know, in supply and demand, you know, like I just, and usually when there's a shortage, the market reacts and they do something. What do they do? They make more increase. Yeah. <laughs> increase supply, right. To meet demand yeah. and price may go up, but that's okay. Right. You know, that's how it kind of stabilizes. Exactly. And so this wasn't happening. And in fact, the second thing I found was a thing that said that in the pediatric shortage marketplace, the opposite is happening. When there's a shortage, supply is decreasing on average by 20%. And this confused me greatly. So we'll pause on that statistic because when I got into Angels for Change, I I was kind of a little bit obsessed trying to figure out that. Like something is working against the theory of supply and demand this means that there's there's active things in place that are keeping the market from working um, in the worst case scenario and life saving treatment. Exactly. So, yeah, but here we are. It's April. I have to find figure out how to do this. You know what I started doing was basically calling everybody in the supply chain. <clears throat> I understood enough about supply chain to know that just because this drug is made by one place, it doesn't mean that's the only place that there is access to it, right? Yes, exactly. Maybe the distributor has it. Maybe other hospitals have it. And so it was that that I I began getting some action. So I actually got some the, – the distributor of the drug was a company called McKesson Corporation, Mm-hmm. McKesson Corporation is one of the largest companies in the world. And I literally started with every single one of these scenarios. I started with the 800 number that is posted on their website. No additional insight. I don't have money. <laughs> I don't have power. I don't have connections. Absolutely. With every single one of these scenarios, I looked up, okay, the distributor is McKesson. I found this on Google. What is their phone number? How do I get it? Right? So I began making calls and just asking, you know, this is happening to my child. Do you have children? You know, basically explaining what's happening. Will you help me? Will you help me figure out who in your organization can help me? Yeah. <clears throat> and then just kept, well, what about this person? And then I tell my story. And so there was just a lot of, a lot of that happening. And so um, the uh, McKesson, I finally got to someone who said, okay, yeah, I, I actually got to the the department that distributes this drug. Okay. And, um, you know, in a global organization, I made it to the people who actually do, do you know. They have their hands on it, right? They have their hands right. on it, essentially. Yeah. So what they say is like, we don't have any. It is It has all been distributed. But listen, if you can find it, what we can do is distribute it. So we will figure out how to get it to your daughter. And so I, so I, the next question is, okay, so you don't have any more. The manufacturer, they say they don't have any more. Um, where, where and who did you distribute it to so that I can call them? And can they're I get like, that well, list? We, we, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I get that list? And, and the answer was like, I'm sorry, you know, contractually, we, we can't give you the list of our customers. And, you know, and, and, the, and, and because it had been on shortage for so long, 
<clears throat> there was there was HIPAA issues because all the only people who could order it were patients who were in need of it. So the ordering process was patient specific at a hospital. Oh, so they're okay. like, so, so, so they're like, sorry, we can't, we can't do that. And so I was like, okay, but it has been distributed to individual pediatric hospitals in this nation. Yes. I was like, all right, well, top I list of top pediatric <laughs> hospitals in the U S yeah. <laughs> You are so right, Victor. Uh, that's what I did. I Googled pedia- U.S. pediatric hospitals and downloaded a list and made a spreadsheet. And I, I, I had a hypothesis here, and it wasn't to go to the biggest hospitals. It was actually to go to the smallest hospitals. So I had this hypothesis that um, the biggest hospitals have the money to buy this very expensive drug and maybe to have extra, you know, movement, you know, not, not necessarily worry about this expensive drug if there's no person who needs it right now. You yeah. know, they'll, they'll hold it until they have the next person. But there might be smaller hospitals who had patients, you know, than what is said, removed from the protocol. But mm-hmm. that's not, that's, you know, business or medical terminology. Gotcha oh, someone is removed from the protocol because they can no longer take that medicine because they did not have a better EFS, event-free survival. Yes. So I was like, you know, there might be a smaller hospital that has some on their shelf with no one allocated to it any longer, and they may be willing to give, give that up. Right. You know, like that might be something they're willing to not give up. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're willing to give it to somebody that needs it. Yeah. So I downloaded this list and I basically put, made a little spreadsheet. I was like, I, you know, I used to help, you know, make call centers, you know, when I was consulting, you know, kind of walking through that scenario, I can make a call center. I have a lot of friends. So that's what I did. I pushed out. It was now it was Saturday. So we found out about it on Tuesday afternoon on Saturday, I pushed out this list and said to my friends, okay, there's, there's over a thousand you know, hospitals on this numbers on this. Um, there's 250 of us. If everyone on here makes four calls, we could be done with this in an hour. And Abby needs this. Will you help? Right. And so it was a Saturday morning and in two hours, two hours later, the list was gone through and we had found the Irwinase that she needed. Oh my gosh. That's something out of a movie. That's (laughs) (laughs) 10 day, like a 10 day turnaround for something that the doctor said it doesn't exist. Yeah, so at this point it was only it was only five days, less than five days, oh, right? Five oh, days, I, yeah. Ten days to actually get it distributed over. Now we had to figure out now oh, we found it. I okay. found it at a hospital. All I have at this point is I found it at a hospital who said that they would be willing to distribute you know, but you know, release it. But all kinds of contracts have to be made, payment <sighs> has to be made, my insurance company has to be involved and say that they you know, we'll make sure that payment is made. And then I got to call this, you know, large global organization who made this promise to me. You know, they may have made this promise thinking, you know, we'll never hear from this person again, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> and say, okay, goodness, so I how, found it. How did you coordinate? Did you do like a big conference call? Did you have a bunch of different little calls with each person? Yep. or bunch of, bunch of little calls, lots and lots of little calls. And, and every one of them had their own unique... Um, opportunities to solve or problems that we had to overcome or objections, you know, and mm-hmm. I just handled them one at a time in the same way that I would teach my students, right? You know, okay, you've got a problem. There are many pathways to success. What, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to 
travel those pathways. So, um, so by Monday afternoon, we had a contract in place with both hospitals that, you know, and McKesson was involved. And then there was uh, a need to do the whole, it's got to, it had to be, it couldn't go straight from the hospital to my hospital. It had to go back to, to a distribution center where they had to open it up, make sure that uh, it was still good, right? I mean, it oh, had to travel. Yeah, it had yeah, to be yeah. packaged, correct? Is this chemotherapy still effective? Like, has it been, you know, held at the correct temperature? It's a very, very complicated and very important drug. So complicated to make. And, you know, so it had to go from New Orleans to a distribution center in um, in DC, it had to be opened up, tested, repackaged, and then sent to my hospital. And so that happened by Wednesday. Wow. So, so that was, that was eight days, uh, from the day we found out that she, that there was a problem to, to it being in our hospital. And then the treatment began on Friday. What did your so, doctor say when you were like, <laughs> I, I got it right. Well, she thought I was a little, um, you know, insane. I think, but when I when I mentioned that we, I found the one mom at that. That was the Wednesday after. You know, I found that that I found the googled that and found the mom, and then I was able to talk to that mom. The first thing she said to me is, "Okay, you know." First thing she said was, "Oh my gosh, this is still happening." She was blindsided. She had no idea this was still happening. And this, and that haunted me because that meant that even when I, when I, I was convinced when I help Abby, it, it wouldn't be resolved no matter what I did yep. to help Abby. It somehow it didn't fix it. Right. Cause she was under the impression after she had resolved it for her daughter that, that it would fix. Right. And it, so her oh, first statement was, I get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Her first statement was like, that's still going on. Oh my gosh. And then the second thing she said is, Laura, I have to ask you a serious question, but it may sound silly. My question is, are you willing to get crazy, a little crazy for your child? And she was like, because I have to tell you for about two weeks, I was a little crazy. Um, and if you're not willing to do that, this is going to be really hard. And so I was like, well, you know, well, I can get crazy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For my child, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so so what did my doctor think? My doctor thought I was a little crazy. But then they did, they couldn't believe it. They were like, whoa, this this is insane. The other thing that I think they felt, they did have some ethical concerns about it. And the ethical concerns are that there were other patients at the hospital who were in need of this drug. And they were treating one, but not treating all. That it was, it was on their mind, like yeah, it, for sure. Yeah, and and it's easier to say everyone's on hold than one, you know, one one person. Yeah, well, imagine that conversation now that they're going to have Terrible. to have if somebody comes up to them and like, hey, they hey, they got that drug. Why isn't my yep. kid? Right. Yeah. So, so my answer to them was, have them call me. I'll try to see if I can find it for them. You know, like, ah. I mean, like, like my answer was, please don't make my child's like we found this. Don't make my child suffer because, because you don't have enough for everyone. Yeah. Please treat my child and then have and then let's figure out how to help 
others. Like uh, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't yeah. have to be one or the other. We don't have to play other. favorites. Exactly. Right. Like just ha- let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. Which, which again, they thought was insane, right? To be saying, you know, because this was a systemic long-term problem. So at what point uh, did you start creating the organization Angels of Change? So Angels for Change. Angels for uh, Change, my apologies. Angels for Change, yeah. So the name is really unique. It came because on the day Abby was diagnosed, our friends created a, a Facebook page for, for us mm-hmm. that was private, and they called it Abby's Angels. And it was those angels that I pushed the list out oh, to. Oh, they're the ones that made the calls. They're the ones that made that call. And they their little bit of effort on a Saturday morning made the change that Abby needed to keep moving forward with with treatment. So, so that's kind of where the names angels for change. So, you know, and then I became chief change maker. Yeah. Um, I saw that on the site. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, add that to, you know, caretaker in chief and chief normalcy officer, let's Mm -hmm. add, you know, chief change maker to it. So, um, you know, about within about a month, I was still doing a lot of Googling and, and trying to figure out what, I don't understand how the systemic problem is. And, and in my mind, honestly, Victor, I thought I'm going to find the organization that's already working on this and I need to, but I need to figure out who that is. And, and then I'm going to kind of research, figure out who that is. And then I'm going to just give them a call and tell them about our story. And then, you know, that's how I'm going to help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> easy, um, easy. I'm just going to find no, the highest guy gotta, up there, the one that you know runs right. the whole whoever's thing. Already, whoever's already doing this, <laughs> I'm just going to find them. And uh, because you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking I was in a place. Well, you know, I got, I'm, I'm, uh, I work. My husband works. You know, we're a normal family, not independent, wealthy. No one knows who I am. I'm not a celebrity. Yeah, I don't. You know, I've got three kids. One of them has cancer. Uh, I wasn't really thinking I would be starting a nonprofit organization during this time. But uh, I kept looking and looking and trying to find <clears throat> who, who it would be that I could figure out how to help. And in the meantime, a couple of families found us. I, you know, I didn't take this public. I didn't have articles written about it. I really worked with my knowledge of the supply chain and worked with problem solving individual, you know, individual objections. So, uh-huh. um, and so I was trying to share like, here's what I did and here's what I would do and here's what I would do next. And, and so that was kind of happening on its own. And I'm, I'm not un- entirely sure how, how I was found always, but you know, if somebody called me, I, I helped them. And then um, just like we, we were calling 800 numbers and we found people willing to help us. I sent an email to the FDA. There was a drug shortages task force. And I, and again, from a public email address, I did not, you know, I didn't have any real connection and just kind of shared my story and said, this happened to us. And I, I, you know, I found your group and you're, you seem to be working on this. And I wanted to know if I could help or if sharing our story, you know, would you be willing to meet with me in person um, to share our story. Yeah. I figured, you know, I always ask a little bit bigger, right? Mm-hmm. If I said, will you meet with me in person? And the answer is no, but I'll give you a call, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's smart. <laughs> so I threw that out there. Will you, will you meet with me in person? And they, someone read it, someone responded and said yes. 
And that someone was the chief of staff of the FDA. Oh, my gosh. Talk about going to the top. <laughs> well, I didn't really know I was doing that at the time. <laughs> I was, I, you know, but again, this is a serendipitous moment. There's nothing that I didn't really do anything. I mean, there's no way I, I didn't do that. I just sent an email, right? Yeah. Something happened and behind the scenes. <laughs> there's, yeah, there was, there was more, you know, help at work. And um, so I was like, I said, to myself, self, if you've got a meeting with the chief of staff of the FDA, you're not going just as Abby's mom. You got to go as an advocate working for an organization because I want, so like, I was like, I got to go as someone who isn't just sharing a story. Yeah. I got to go as someone who wants to help others. Yeah. Right. Or who, yeah. And so I literally created a website and a brand and a business card, uh, embroidered some shirts and, um, uh, you know, made a, made a, a brochure and flew to DC. That's crazy. Then just like, crazy. just like that, just like that, you were, you were legit. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I did pull together some of my lovely angels, some of Abby's angels, my friends who uh-huh. were unbelievable business people and just said, this thing is happening. And I, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm being called to help more people. And, you know, at the very least, I'm going to, I want to put a website up so that no one is going through it alone. Like I did yeah, right? not they can, knowing where to start. They can search the, those uh, keywords, you know, that, and, that you, that you needed at that time that you couldn't find. Right. Correct. And they can call me, I'll pay for a phone number, I'll pay for a website so that no parent is flying solo on this again. That was the most hopeless I think I've ever been in my life, Victor. You know, you would think your child being diagnosed with cancer was the most hopeless, but actually knowing that my child had cancer and was fighting for their life and not knowing how they were going to get the drugs that they needed to survive, um, you know, how, like, I'm her caretaker. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who needs to help her through this and how, how am I going to do that? So I, I, uh, thought at the very least I have a website so that nobody goes through that alone. And, um, and that's kind of how we started angels for change. Um, that meeting was really great. Um, it was really a fantastic meeting of wonderful people who did not push back at all. All of them said, yes, this is a terrible problem and here's what we're trying to do and here's how you could help. And, and I said, okay, done, I'll, I'll, I'll help. So um, that's kind of uh, what happened. I then, you know, went about creating a 501c3 and, and, um, and shortly after that meeting, uh, there was a crisis in pediatric cancer and it was a shortage crisis and it was called the Vin Christine crisis. This was now October, 2019. And once again, Abby was put on hold because mm. she needed a life-saving chemotherapy to, that, to save her life that was in shortage. But this time I was chief change maker. You founder were prepared. Of for change. You were prepared. Yeah. yeah. And so I was able to help her and help our hospital a little bit. And I, I was able to help parents who found us and reached out. And, um, and, and then uh, you wouldn't believe it, but in January of 2020, 
Abby faced another drug shortage. Three oh my drug gosh. shortages. I know. You know, and, and the, what, I, what I think about is you were able to fill a need, right? You were able to solve this need and, and, and in the most direct way for your daughter, right? Mm-hmm. You were able to fill this need and now you know how to. But there's people out there that are going through this that think there is no uh, 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 way to go around it, right? Yep. Like, oh, we're just yep. going to have to wait. And if this happens time and time again, there's uh, that uh, EFS, right? That That's not going to yep. happen, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there is data that shows specifically that, you know, compliance lowers EFS. There's data that shows specifically that... Um, that the not having Irwinase, you know, or asparaginase lowers EFS. So, you know, this is, this is serious. And I do believe, you know, it is a right to have access to life-saving drugs. You know, if, if there is medical technology research that births life-saving treatment, it's proven technology, it's a right for it, for your child, for any patient to have access to it. Absolutely. And, the reality is a doctor who is in the throes of fighting and saving lives every day, resolving a shortage should not be their job. Also having that conversation that says there is no drug should not be their job. Mm-hmm. But do you know what the conversations they have to have sometimes? They actually have to have conversations with families saying that three of you need it. We only have one enough for one this person's going to get it. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I, uh, <laughs> I can't even, there's no way for me to process that because I would never, you know, I'm not in that situation. Right. So yeah. I, that, that's just so heartbreaking. That's so heartbreaking. <laughs> it is heartbreaking. And you know, it's a heartbreaking thing to throw on families who are already in survival mode. Yeah. You know, I'm, it's pretty, you know, if you do any research in pediatric cancer, you know that in general, um, I think 80%, uh, you know, end up, families end up in divorce post, um, post a pediatric cancer diagnosis. You talk about monetary, like almost everyone loses a job of some sort, loses mm-hmm. monetary income. They're, of course, their costs are in, increasing, right? Yeah. You know, just in additional um, insurance costs, but, you know, and deductibles and, and such, but also, um, you need new things that you never knew you had yes. before. Right. Yes. Um, so, you know, this, these families, um, with any family with a cancer diagnosis is in survival mode, you know, pediatric cancer really, um, puts tremendous strains and stress on the family unit. And, um, and it's a terrible place to be putting parents in during this time. Um, so, so I, that's what we're fighting for. Absolutely. You know, we believe our our purpose is to, um, ensure access to life-saving drugs that no patient or family should hear. We don't have the drugs to save, uh, save your life. And no doctor should be in a place of ever saying those words. It, it really is unfathomable. So, what we're doing or what I'm doing now is when families call, we're helping them um, resolve the shortage is the best way that we can. And I'm very thankful that we're not doing it alone. We have met many angels along the way. Um, one of our large partners is McKesson 
corporation, that distributor wow. who said, yes, they would help us. Uh, when we're searching for Abby, they now have a team of professionals who help um, if if there's a shortage and, and we are able to call. And we're working on creating more relationships like that um, because it can't be done on your own. I, yeah. I, you know, it has to be done with a lot of help and support. Um, and then um, we we've been able to help 30 patients, all children. Um, resolve a shortage since, wow. since October uh, 2019. Well, yeah, it's 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 only been a short amount of time now. You, know? yeah. you guys just <laughs> yeah, started essentially, yeah. so that's yep. that's a lot. That's a lot in that amount of time. Yeah, yeah. So and it, those are just people who find us. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I am haunted at night. Uh, you know, the reality is the more um, sick or the more in survival someone is, the less likely they are to search a website and find us, right? Mm. I can only help families who who contact us, right? Um, and and I'm only just one person, you know. I'm, this was completely self-funded. Um, this is this is us, you know. We're yeah. we're we're funding this ourselves. But I just I I couldn't sleep at night knowing that there are families in the situation. And, and I don't know that I can resolve every single shortage that comes our way, but I can guarantee that someone won't go through it alone. And I know what it feels like. So I'm able to cry with these patients, with the families, um, and the way that someone else who hasn't been through it, you know, really can't. So, well, you guys are definitely angels. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, I thank you for being on the podcast and sharing that and, and sharing what you guys are doing because I, you know, so many things that are happening in this, in this world right now that, uh, it's good to shine light on people that are doing good. Um, and I think it's important. Um, what, what's, uh, what's the website? So if people want to go get information or if they want to donate, sure. which would be great, sure. uh, what, what's the name of your website? It's angelsforchange.org, um, and our Facebook is Angels for Change, um, and uh, we, you know, we're we're trying to help uh, one patient at a time, as they call us. But we're also working to try to fix some of the systemic problems, all the way up in the supply chain, um, so that it never actually hits a patient so that a patient never actually has to hear those words. Um, so we'll be here to help with both, both the reactive advocacy, one patient at a time, um, and also um, looking at the complete supply chain. Um, and why, why is it that, you know, that a life-saving drug doesn't have access, you know, we don't always have access to life-saving drugs when we need them and why is it that the marketplace is reacting in an opposite manner um when you know when something is on shortage why does it decrease the shortage uh d decrease um the supply instead of increase the supply um so we're we're working with experts much smarter than me <laughs> um <laughs> really just trying to you know I'm trying to be a catalyst and, and helping everybody remember we've, we've all got family members. We've all, you know, you know, we all have children that we love. Um, we can all understand that, uh, the question, the statement that my doctors had to give me, you know, saying there, there wasn't any, we had to wait is unacceptable, but also, you know, 
Abby asked me when she, she heard that, you know, she asked me, she's this force. She, she got right to it. She understood. She's like, mom, am I, am I going to die because I don't get my medicine? And that's <sighs> an, that's an unfathomable question for a nine year old, year old to ask. And it's really unfair that I had to answer it. Yeah. Nobody should ever be put in that position, especially like you said, it just doesn't, if it's out there, it should be made and available for people. I mean, I just, uh, it's just, a, it's hopefully with you guys, you guys can come up and figure out how to stop that from happening. Well, we're launching our first summit with the pharmaceutical supply chain on October 30th. Oh. And it is specifically looking um, at that. Uh, what's one thing, two things, three things we can do that will decrease systemic shortages? Um, and we're, we're really excited um, to begin being a catalyst and a helper uh, uh, using our story and, um, and looking at long-term solutions. Well, Laura, I bet you never guessed or would have ever fathomed that you would be, uh, the, you know, <laughs> creating an organization, but, uh, <laughs> no. things happen, uh, you know, for a reason. And I, I appreciate you for taking it on and, you. you know, helping other families and continuing to help families, uh, to solve this problem. And I appreciate you sharing your story today with us. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for asking us to share our story. Um, and we are always looking for uh, change makers. So if anybody wants to be a change maker, uh, we need as much help as we can get. Angelsforchange.org. Get more information, guys, and please donate uh, to the cause. Uh, it'll be one of the best feelings you'll ever have. <laughs> um, thank you, Laura. I appreciate your time and, and uh, we'll stay in touch, okay? Thank you, Victor. Thank you guys uh, for listening to that. Um, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. I learned a lot. Um, I could feel, I literally, my hairs were standing up in some of the things that she was saying because it was so sad at, at times. Um, but I feel like that conversation was needed. And if you know anybody that's going through something like that, please let them know about this organization, um, Angels for Change. It can really, really help them out. Uh, a problem that I didn't even know we had. Um, but anyway, please uh, share this. Uh, you can listen to this anywhere you listen to podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, and you can always go to www.cococalientepodcast.com. You can check us out there. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Coco Caliente Pod and on Instagram at Coco Caliente Podcast. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.